Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Y'all give him a good Brooklyn welcome. I am glad to be at Epiphany, Brooklyn. I'm glad and honored to be here. You are crazy, um, Jeremiah. I'm excited, thankful for um, what I hear. It's like, you know, you hear, um, you, you see Paul in his epistles. He'll say, you know, word about you has gone out to all the churches. You know, there's this, um, you know, Colossians chapter 1 uh, Paul talks about the fact to the Colossians, he said, you've been bearing fruit since the gospel came to you. And, um, and that's a clear sign of, um, of course, attendance and those type of things, but there's a sense of expectation and excitement, um, particularly in a, a, a generation that is 99% unreached by the gospel. And so when we see those type of, we hear about millennials and Gen Zs leaving the church, but then you see those generations flooding this one, um, it's an honor to see God's hand and God's work uh, on this ministry. So give God a hand praise for this ministry. Amen. Amen. Very, very proud of uh, time, Pastor Brandon, and their commitment uh, to the gospel, and the commitment to you, and the commitment to y'all. Don't, if people don't understand what it is to parachute, you know, into a place um, and because um, a lot of a lot of on a, on a larger level, um, there there are a lot of failed church startups in New York, um, and and period, and fifteen hundred churches a day close their door. So when you when you see those type of um, not a day a month, and so when you see those type of uh, numbers, and then you see something like this flourishing, God has definitely been up to something. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. I want to. You to turn to the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 16, and um, I'm going to be reading from the CSB uh, version of the Bible. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 and verse 9. Here we go. The reflections of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs motives. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. A person's heart plans his or her way, but the Lord determines his steps. I'd like to talk today about decisions, planning, and the will of God. Decisions, planning, and the will of God. Let's go before the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Um, your kindness knows no end. God, you're not hiding your will behind your back, but you make it readily available. And God, I pray that you would give clarity to us in the body at the way in which your will works out practically 
in our lives. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody get what that said? Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. Decisions. Somebody say decisions. decisions. Planning. Planning. And the will of God. <clears throat> now y'all going y'all gonna have to talk to me today. Now I know y'all, you know, in a different generation, y'all don't say much, you know, but but I, I you know, I just want to know how you're doing every now and then. Amen, somebody. I don't mind you knowing how you doing. I ain't saying you got to run around foaming at the mouth. I just need to know need to know you're still in the room. I know you know this is the luxury didactic culture where people kind of listen and take and nod their heads and take notes. So I don't know you know when I was you know I did a I did a, it was the most confusing thing. I went I did an Asian uh, retreat, an Asian retreat for for some Asian folk. And man, Asian folk we don't know are more charismatic in their worship than black folk. They worship for like four hours. I'm talking about the ones in the United States. Like, they're serious. Then I'm like, oh, it's about to be lit during this sermon. Man, listen. Everybody took our pen and a pad. And, they, and man, and they were, I, was, I was preaching my little black face off, right? And, and man, they just, they just took notes and like this. And they would giggle at jokes. They took like 20 pages of notes and didn't say a word. I was confused about what I just experienced. Um, but I mean, every culture is different, but I just, I just love to know how people are doing. One of my white brothers told me, Pastor, when we, when we do a hearty head nod, that, that's a huge amen in our language. Um, <laughs> I said, all of us as siblings, we got our own way of saying amen. You know, um, 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 yeah, man. So amen to the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> um, well, um, how many of you have been a believer for less than two years? Amen. Amen. How many of you, amen. How many of you been a believer for five years or more? Okay. 10 years or more? 15 years or more? 20 years or more? Look at y'all. Some of y'all, how y'all 20 years or more? Some of y'all like 21, talking about something. You're pacifying your mouth. I confess Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Amen. Um, <clears throat> I can remember my early stages of the faith. How many remember that first year? You remember that first year? You know, that, that first year when you, when you started walking with the Lord and you were serious than a mug. Like, you cut out friends, you judging everybody, wasn't you? Wasn't you? And the devil's under every bush. I see you, devil. I rebuke every assignment. You, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was, you know, and, and some of that's good, right? That, that, some of that's good as <clears throat> you become a new believer. I remember, you know, I, I, I was asking God, all, I asked God about everything. I asked him, who should I marry? You know. I know some of y'all say, I'm still asking that question. <clears throat> I'm like, God, where should I go to school? You know, um, 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 what should I do for the rest of my life? All these different things. But then it got a little weird. You know, I'd be like, God, I want to be in your perfect will. And I don't know if I should go left on this street or right on this street. But there may be an assignment around this corner. Now, it, I'm, I'm like, bro, just choose a direction. You know, should I get, should I get a burger from here? Should I get a burger from there? Should I get a slice of pizza? Well, 
here you may have to pray about where you get a slice of pizza from because everywhere ain't got good pizza. Amen. Somebody. But, the, but there's this micro asking that almost is good. But when I became a believer, I mean, when I started, when I started growing, the, and the Holy Spirit will humor you when you're young in the faith. He'll humor you with micro direction. However, there was a point where the Holy Spirit stopped talking the same way. Not that he wasn't guiding, but he wanted me to grow up from not growing in biblical wisdom. Because I wanted direction for my life without the Bible. And so, and so the Holy Ghost was like, son, son, you're going to have to grow up. And so, and so, and so as, as I began to, to develop that, I began, if y'all can humor me for a while with this introduction, because I want to give you a basic framework and introduction as we get in the text to really, most believers, if it, whether you like it or not, most of us, the, the greatest wrestle in our life isn't our sexual passions. The greatest wrestle in our life is knowing what's the will of God and what's not. What direction should I go? What direction should I not go? And what do I do when they're two good decisions? And, and, and both of them are equally amazing. Which one do I take? Is there a specific will of God? Does God do a big circle and a dot? Or is it a big room or a garden of Eden and a tree that I can't eat from, but I can eat from every tree I want to? And those are the questions that we have to mature through and work through as believers as we begin to develop and make biblical framing decisions. One of the things that I found out over the years, that if you want to get to know somebody very, very quickly, look at the type of decisions that they make. Um, the reasoning behind the decisions that they make. What is the fruit of their decision making? What's the fruit? What's the result of it? What happens? Do they, do, they, do they have a pattern of a good decision making? Um, the type of people they surround themselves with. Oh, oh, God. And the type of decisions the people around them make. When you look at the book of Proverbs, <clears throat> Proverbs is really about two type of people. Stupid people and smart people. It breaks it down in two Hebrew words. The Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. Somebody say chokmah. Act like you got a sinus infection. Chokmah. Get that joint right here. You know what I'm saying? Get it out. Chokmah. The Hebrew word for wisdom is, y'all tracking with me, right? Chokmah. Now, now there's, there's, but it's funny. There are a couple of words for wisdom, but the main word for wisdom used in the Hebrew is chokmah. Greek word, Sophia. But what's interesting is, is in the book of, book, book of Proverbs, there are like three terms for a fool. Now, but there's one fool in there that's called a nabal. It means stupid fool. It means you're a fool on steroids. It's not, you're not a regular fool. You, you, you've been working on being a fool on a whole nother level. That, that's, that's, and so, so you got those type of people. But, but most of the book of Proverbs is, is a collection of sayings that God blew on based on people experiencing life through natural revelation. And those things that they found out about God they found out experiencing life and Solomon being a collector of information collected these and, and others and comprised this book and his experiences as well. And he begins doing what, 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 what parents should do. He started teaching his children. And it's interesting to come into a passage like this and he's teaching his children about how to make good decisions. We talk about the birds and the bees, but we need to talk about good decision making. 
And so Solomon begins to do that. And as he begins to work that out and help us to do that, a few things I want to frame as we get into this. When we look at what's called the will of God, how many of you love the will of God? How many of you love the will of God? There are three types of wills of God, and then we can break them down into five after that. Um, number one, there's the sovereign will of God. God's sovereign will. That's like the Deuteronomy 29, 29. The things that are revealed for man, the things that are unrevealed are for God. We'll talk about this, right? Sovereign will. That's, that's, the, that's the macro, big picture things that God's going to do no matter what decisions you make. Okay? We're going to break all this down in a second. I just got an intro. If somebody say intro it. <laughs> the next one is the moral will of God. The moral will of God. I'm going to come back to that when I go to the five, right? That's like Hebrews 5.14, right? Knowing the commands of God. Like, you ain't got to pray about you shouldn't commit adultery. Like, it's already written. Holy Spirit, I wonder, are you giving me another? No, no, no. You don't have to pray about that. You know, should I share the gospel with this person? You don't have to pray about that. Go ye therefore, right? <laughs> those are, those are, you know, those are an individual will. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, you know, uh, uh, individual will, uh, Ephesians 2.10. Now, let's break these down into several other ones. Again, the moral will of, I mean, uh, the, the sovereign will of God. Then we got the commanded will of God. Let's start with those two, because that's going to help us with this text a lot. Now, when we look at this, again, the sovereign will of God, is God like his saving acts in Ephesians chapter one, stuff that he, stuff that has to do with Jesus Christ being the only mechanism for salvation. There's, you don't have to ask, that's, that's just a done deal, right? Then we got the commanded will of God. We already talked about that, right? Next, we got the, the what, I, what I like to call the preferential will of God, the preferential will of God. This will describes God's attitude or disposition towards something, okay? It tells us what is pleasing to him. The, the, the dispositional will of God says, what pleases the Lord in this situation? Does this please the Lord? I'm going to break all this down in a second. Say with me. <laughs> and, and, and what doesn't please the Lord, Right? But then there's the directive will of God. That, that refers to kind of that Holy Spirit work of personal direction. That You know, when the Bible talks about in Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 8 and 9, it says, Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God will surpass all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't say anything verbally and doesn't show you anything biblically. He gives you a peaceful or unpeaceful disposition about something that you, you ever been going towards something and it looked right, but you didn't feel right about it. Don't, don't ever ignore that. Don't ever ignore if, if, if somebody, I, I, it looks like a good thing. I just don't have a peace about it. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. And, and, and that that's, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Now, don't make all your decision making based on feelings. Uh, We're going to get, oh God, help me. Because, because, some of me. because some of us only make feeling decisions when we got the right information. So you got to be careful with that. Y'all still trekking with me, right? Not only that, you, you also have the discern will of God. This is when the Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is. Now, that's what happens. <clears throat> so what happens with us as believers, you'll grow to a point 
where, 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 you, where, you, where you'll begin to just have wise discernment based on the word of God being assimilated into your life as a lifestyle. <laughs> and then you'll be able to discern, you'll be able to discern, and I'm going I'm to flesh all of this out, I promise. I promise. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. And then, and then we'll come back to some, to some other principles. Point number one, <clears throat> with decisions, planning, and the will of God. Point number one, whatever you are serious about in life, you plan for. Whatever you're serious about in life, you plan for. Look at verse one. It said the reflections of the heart belong to mankind, but the answer of the tongue belongs to the Lord. <clears throat> this verse is dope. This, this is an amazing verse, and it should free you up. These verses should free you up in a whole bunch of ways. <clears throat> the word reflections, New American Standard, ESV, and others translates plans. Okay? The, the same idea is here, <clears throat> but the word for reflections means mentally ordering things that you want to do. It means putting things in order. In other words, God wants you to plan. Help me today, God. In other words, God isn't going to plan every detail of your life. We, we have a misconception that God has detailed out plan, every plan of your life. He's, de he's planned out the big things in your life, but he doesn't micro plan. That's why the text says, Plans belong to him, us, us. We'll see that. Plans belong to man. <clears throat> now, what's interesting about the word for plan here is it's a massive word because it not only means to mentally order things, it also means worship. Wow. Okay, how do I know? Because the same Hebrew word for plan here is used in, uh, in Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham goes and arranges the wood. He said, the boy and I are going to go up and worship and return to you. The, the, the word there, the word there uh, uh, for worship means to arrange things in a planned order. What does that tell me about planning? It means planning and decision making is an act of worship. If, if you don't plan, you're a bum spiritually. In other words, in other words, in other words, it's like living up in your mom's basement to your to your 45 years old and taking odd and end jobs, collecting cans on the block, and you got mad potential. Right. In, 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 other words, in other words, Christians are called to plan dudes. You called to plan. Ain't nothing worse than no non-planning dude. And if you're trying to walk up on a, on, on, on a sister sledge honey dip situation, I'm just trying to let you know that, 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 that the homie, if you don't have a plan, you're not a man. Men plan. We're going to talk about how God, how, how it's a reflection of the image of God to plan. You're not living out and maximizing your image as a believer if you're not planning. Now, God said, I've given into your hands to plan. <clears throat> now, now, the, the, question isn't, the question isn't what the will of God is. The God's will, what's the will of God for my life? To plan. I need to have a plan for my finances. I need to have a plan for my personal life. I need to have a plan and trajectory for my future. I need to write those things down and be serious about it. Bible says, write down the vision and make it plain. The Bible says, anyone without vision is unrestrained. And they and, and listen, and listen, they, they break out against God's law. Listen, it is a biblical thing for everything in your life to be planned. Everything. 
Everything in your life should be planned. Direct, what you going to do after college? I don't know. How, what, do you, what do you see in a person that you want to be with? I don't know. I just, you know, hey. No. <laughs> people always have, let, let me ask you this. This is the funniest thing. I don't want relationship this out. It should be out when people say they're not my type. And I'm like, now tell me what that means. In other words, when I look at you, I don't get sexually harassed. Now, is that a biblical plan? Now, I'm not saying that ain't important. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. EBB Yasha. Amen. On this morning. But what I'm saying is, is when you start with sex as the foundational plan for you to be with someone, you've missed a larger biblical framework that should be a part of what is God's type for all believers? Yeah. Where's that written down? He, he had to be bow-legged. Um, he had to have a certain kind of hair because I want our babies to have a certain kind of hair because I want to be able to put them in a ponytail. I want my daughter's edges to be laid. Like, that's not a plan. <laughs> Y'all know people. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Y'all jokers know people be thinking like that. I want him to have his eyes, his eyes, right? You don't know who got a dominant or recessive gene. Maybe somebody in your ancestry, their, their DNA just dropped differently and then messed the whole situation up. See, God liked to do stuff like that to our craziness. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I said, Pastor, you all over the place. But um, <clears throat> reflections belong to us. <clears throat> so God puts it in our hands to make plans. And he won't move. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's certain things God won't do until you plan. I'm going to show you in a second. It's right here in the text. There's certain things in your life. You're talking about God, I'm waiting on you. God said, no, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Now look what the text says after that, though. It sounds confusing, but it's the most balanced truth that we have to understand. It says, the reflections. I like one translation. It says, many are the plans of a man's heart. That's one trend. In other words, that, that's what it should be, right? But then it says, but the answer of the tongue belongs to the Lord. It's like, huh? <laughs> so you want me to plan, but then you let me know whether or not it's your will? Absolutely. Because God doesn't want you to plan alone. He wants to be involved with the process. And so one of the things that I like about being a believer is he calls me to plan, but he also, uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, he wants you to understand that no matter how excited you are about that plan, that he has the final say in whether or not that plan is going to come to pass. Oh, let me see if I can make a plan. So, so, so we, um, we, we, been, we out of space at Epiphany Philly. We just out of space. We had three services. I'm not going to four services. Talk to a church consultant. When you go to four services, the pastor burns out. Um, so, so, so we, we need more space. We need more space, not just for Sunday morning worship. We need more space for our vision. Um, so, so we went to this one building, this one building, it was like a city block. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I know that I went there every day praying. I I wrote down stuff. I'm excited about So I'm writing down what I want God to do. This is a part of our our pre-vision before we even planted the church. I'm like, this, this, this about to be, this, we bought the, you know, Rick Ross put out a thing called by the block. I was like, see that, see, even though the Lord must have Use that prophetically, so we, you know, I'm, 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 in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You understand know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, and um, we had the money. 
Now, see, that's when you, like, when you got the money, it's different. No, it's different when you're not broke. It's different. So I'm like, yeah, I know. I done claimed it. I know this finna happen. God, they sold it to a developer. I'm like, y'all wild in a mug, right? But then I, I, I went over. We found this 166,000 square foot warehouse in the middle of the hood. I was like, I know that's it. But every time I was there, it doesn't have this thing. It doesn't have this. But I'll go ahead and do this, right? We go in, had the money again. Dude from New York came down. They buying, y'all coming down, buying a property and then reselling it to us like, like it's New York. It's this Philly. It ain't New York. You know, and the Lord is like, the thing didn't open. And sometimes when you hear no, you think it's the person that's telling you no. Sometimes you'll know, most times you'll know. Is not the person, they're just being used by God to tell you no. Now, 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 now what's interesting is a verse came to my mind. The Bible says, Bible says, no man or woman can be given anything unless it's given from heaven. Like, do you know how that, like, in other words, if God gave it to an unbeliever and not you, it still wasn't for you. The hardest thing in life, in planning and the will of God, is coming to terms when God get, doesn't give you what you wrap your heart around. And then, but then I'm driving the neighborhood praying. I didn't give up, though. So I'm driving around praying. And I've been past this property like a hundred million times. And, and my eyes, you know how they say, and their eyes were open, you know, in the scripture. You know, then God showed, helped them to see, you know, like on the road, their mess. And it just opened up. It's this 2.8 acres in the middle of North. Can imagine around here, 2.8 acres in the middle of Best Eye. Nowhere, right? I was like, where does this come from? School, 133,000 square feet. Then another lot beside it. Bow. Then another school right here. Bow. City got it for sale. And then everything that we were looking for. In those other properties that we were settling for, God tucked his way over here for us to push towards going to get. See, many times in our life, God's nose is for something better. Because listen, God, listen, God wants his will for your life more than you do. We don't even like, I want you to wrap your mind around that. He wants you to be in his will more than you do. So when you get mad about when God says no, you're acting like he doesn't want his will for your life. But really, God is like, yo, I, I got you, fam. Like a many of us just don't trust God really got your back. Like even in his nose, he's got your back. Even in closed doors, he's got your back. Even in a broken relationship that you wanted to work out, he got your back. Even in the place you got fired from, he got your back. Even in the person that betrayed you, he got your back. God's got your back. And that's the beautiful thing <coughs> about the will of God. Now, what it says here is interesting. It says um, the reflections of the heart. It's interesting. Heart involves three things in Hebrew language. In Western culture, we think of heart 
as this thing in our chest or our feelings. Follow your heart. You know, in our culture, follow your, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. You know, in other words, the heart is the epicenter for decision making. No, it's not. It's a tool for decision making. Now, in West and Eastern culture, particularly in Hebrew culture, heart means, repeat after me, mind, emotions, and will. So when he's telling, so that means the mind is, is, is where your values are developed and placed. Emotions is where your affections, your passions for stuff is. Uh, a will is how you flesh out what you do that you know that you feel, right? Now, what's interesting here in, this, in the Bible is the thing that the gospel transforms in our life. When you get saved, the Bible says he'll give you a new what? So in order for your life, you can't even be anywhere in the vicinity of doing anything right until your mind is renewed, till your emotions is renewed, and your will is taken out of bondage. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, just in case you notice. Right? And so, and so, and so the beauty of this is many other plans of my heart. So you, you, you're supposed to, the more your, your values are shaped around God's value system and your passions, your planning gets easier. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain again, because y'all still looking at me funny. Um, I remember when I was in college, you know, and I, I had my first English class, you know, and I wrote this paper. I killed the joint. I know I killed this joint. I was like, boom. I said, here you go. Here you go. You know, just know y'all going to hang that joint up as an example <laughs> for generations of students that come through here. You know, I put it on the table like that and chuck the deuces to my teacher. When next period, I came to class. And um, I looked at the paper when she handed it back, and I couldn't find what I wrote. Because she had so wrote over what I wrote, I couldn't even see what I originally wrote. So my little heart was broken because I thought it was going to be an example. And, but, it, but, but what ended up happening was she said, Mr. Mason, that's okay. She says, that's okay. Um, take, take what you wrote, make the corrections, and hand it back in. And I'll give you credit as if you did this right the first time because of it, everything that I've covered change. That's how it is as a believer. You hand your stuff into the divine editor in heaven. And he, and he puts the blood of Christ all over it, just marking up the stuff that ain't his will, the stuff that's a mess. And then he hands it back to you and say, go make the corrections, move forward, I'm down with you. That's how it works in the kingdom. I got two more points. I got to move and I got 10 minutes. I got to move. I got to move. Too much in the text. Too much in the text. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I got to move. Dang. Dang, I got to go to the next point. Plans are judged on a heart level. Plans are judged <coughs> on a heart level. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. A person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord ways, motives. Lord, help us today. Many times, the text is just saying something simple. Many times you say, even those who us who write, some of you are anal with writing. You, you are a hyper planner, all of that. 
And many times, God doesn't merely look at the plan. He looks at what you say you want in your heart to see whether or not what you say in your heart, what you're saying in your heart is what you wrote on the paper. So what he does when he weighs your motives, he puts your heart on one side of the scale and he puts what you say you want on the other side of the scale and see if there is a balance and a connection between it. Let me see if I can make it plain. So I remember I never wanted to be a pastor all that. And then when I finally got the call to be a pastor, I was like, God, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me, God. Ah, hey, God, send me, God. You know, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you. I'm going to love the people of God. I'm gonna, and God's like, okay. Okay, you're going to love the people of God. So what God did at first is he sent me easy people at first. People easy to love. They faithful. They give, they love, they shared a God, they, they was easy to love. And God's like, all right, that wasn't the test. Now I'm going to send you 10 jokers that's hard to love to see if the principle of what you said you wanted from me was actually true by testing it by something that's the antithesis to something in your nature. God sent me some hard people in your life God will send you some hard people or some hard stuff to test whether or not you're authentically committed to what you told him you was committed to. In other words, why, why did I get God gave me the plan and he let it loose. Why is it getting so hard? Because he's testing whether or not your motives are really into what you told him in prayer and in journaling and in your little small group and your little DNA group. Where you, he said, okay, we're going to see where you really are. And what it, what it is is God doesn't just want to see where you are. He wants to sanctify you to where you're supposed to be. Oh, you don't know when to shout. Because God, listen, listen, because, because, oh God, help me. Because God never, God never just exposes you just to say, aha. He exposes you to work on you because he wants you in the place that you actually prayed to be in, but you weren't there. So he's showing you that you're not and then give you the willingness to submit to the process of being sanctified into where you said you wanted to be. That's the beauty of being a believer. You know, um... Oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to move to the last point. Ooh, that was a lot. Mm, 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 mm. Last thing. Good decisions involve radical faith. Good decisions involve radical. Now, hey, I got to add radical to faith. Because faith is already radical. But because we don't understand faith, I have to add radical to it to make you understand what faith really is. Um, so look, look at the text, family. Commit your activities to the Lord. That word commit means to roll. Somebody say roll. roll. Yeah, it means, to, it, means, it means what your plans are, what your what decisions that you want to make. You, you have to, you have to, it, 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 the idea is rolling something up a hill somewhere. That, that's what we're supposed to do with the Lord, with the Lord's work in our life when we have to walk in radical faith. And he says, and your plans, your plans will be established. Now, this is interesting. It's interesting right here. Why does it have, why does it take radical faith? <clears throat> because there's, there's interesting. There's a few types of people. There's a few types of people. Number one, there's the free-spirited person. Uh-huh. And then there's the methodical person, and then it's the motionless person. Let me explain the three. God, those are three types of people. Some of y'all think, I'm not, you, no, 
do one of these three. <laughs> now, the free spirit is the artsy, yes. scarf around the neck, wearing different things that people wouldn't normally wear. You know, stop pointing at people, y'all. I see y'all. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they, they, they don't know what they're going to do from moment to moment. It's just, I don't feel that. You know, I work on music when I want to. You know, I go, I go out on stage when I'm ready. You know, you know, oh, I'm going to Florida today. You know, Florida. I'm like, dang, man, how do we whole process? I don't know. I wasn't even planning it. Just came to my mind. Aha, I'm gone. That's that's the that's the free-spirited person, right? Right? <laughs> then you got, then you got, then you got the, the methodical person. I mean, they got charts, graphs, statistics. <laughs> You know anybody like that that get on just too, too informed for their own good? They done looked at Time Magazine. They done looked at, 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 at research articles that were written by scholars on a website you got to put a code into to get on. Just, they, they just, they, they hyper plan, right? Then you got the motionless person. They don't, they don't do nothing. That's it. Now the, now, the issue is all of those three types of people are people that God has to work on because he wants all three of them to plan. The problem with the person that's, that's a hyper planner is they never get anything done because they just keep writing stuff down, but they never walk by faith because they think because it's written down, it's done. <laughs> I wrote it down. I got statistics. And because they communicated, they think it's done. The free spirited person thinks the plan. Oh, okay. The free. <laughs> The free-spirited person thinks the plan is given to them on the spot, which never works. Because that means you're not praying. You just think that it's time to just go. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. No, that's you, dog. That's you. Shoo. Just because you felt good about it doesn't mean God does. And then the motionless person is the other person, the person that just don't get nothing done, right? And then we got verse four says, the Lord has prepared everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of disaster. This is crazy. So why would he use that example? Because God talks about how how monstrous his planning is when it comes to his macro will and our micro planning. Listen, uh, uh, macro will is God's meta narrative by which he's doing the big stuff that's going to happen no matter what you do. The planning is supposed to be linked up with responding in your own life to what you see God up to in culture because God doesn't join us where we are. We join God where he is. If, listen, if I don't say nothing else, I'm telling you, if it got, God calls you to join him. It's not like all of this, come over here, God, and do this. No, it doesn't work like that. God is saying, I need you to get over here on my page. I don't get on your page. It doesn't work like that, right? And so with that as a reality, when we, when we look at that reality of what he's saying, look at verse nine. Nine, uh, nine, I'm sorry. He says, a person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. And as you even, say the plan gets approved, you planned your way. You got to recognize that just because you planned it and God approved it, that God is out of the process. Because even in the process of planning, God sometimes doesn't edit prior. 
God sometimes lets you move ahead with a, with a plan and he audits as you go. <laughs> he calls an audible as you go. See, walking with, listen to me, what am I trying to say, y'all? Walking with God is a science and an art. It's a, it's a biblical science because it's written here, but it's an art because you got to experience it. You got you, you to gotta experience Walking with, you can't live in the ethereal forever. Why do I know this? Because Jesus lived like this. I'm going to show you real quickly that Jesus, in his incarnation, did, listen, Jesus wasn't walking around functioning in his omniscience. He had it, but he didn't use it. The Bible says he put his independent use of his attributes away. Didn't mean he didn't have them. He somehow didn't access them without divine permission from the Father. So what did Jesus do? Jesus submitting to the sovereign will of God because he was slain before the foundation of the earth, God's mega will. Being influenced by the moral will of God, he said, get behind me, Satan. Now, that's understanding the moral will of God and seeing the light of individual, uh, seeing it in light of his individual will, what he would say is, I must die. In other words, he embraced the, 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 the practicality of the beauty of the will. Many of us, again, we see life like this. We see there's only this job for me. There's only this person for me. And we got all of these dots. That's not how the kingdom works. Most of it is a big circle. And God says, in here, you can choose whatever you want. All of it is my will, not just one particular. Now, what makes us feel extra special is when we think everything is micro-contextualized for every little piece of your life. Which, no, God told Adam and Eve, he didn't say, you can only eat from these trees over here today. You can, no, he said, eat freely. Free, he said, like, you don't have to pray about whether you should go on the, this corner of the Garden of Eden and eat this. He said, eat whatever you want. You don't have to pray about that. There's some things that you don't have to pray about eating and enjoying. And so I put it like this, and I'm done. Write down the word wipe, W-I-P-E. But do it going straight down instead of beside each other. Do it vertically, wipe, W-I-P-E. W is for worship. I is for ink. P is for present and pray. And E is for edit and expect. Worship, ink, present, pray, edit, expect. That's the cycle of your life. Right here. It's when you're ready to make your plan and develop it for different areas of your life. This is what you're doing. Guess what? Christ died for you to be able to make good decisions. The reason why our minds can be renewed is because he died. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that we receive the mind of Christ. So now you and I, because of his death and resurrection, have the ability to make good decisions because we're using his mind to make those decisions with. So go freely into the world, just like he went freely into the world, and make the greatest decisions and impact the Lord Jesus, impact the world for the Lord Jesus Christ, and enjoy the process. Look at somebody and say, enjoy the process. Father, we thank you. We honor you, and we bless you. 
that you give us the grace to enjoy the process of what it means to walk with you and to live for you. As, as believers, we tend to make simple, accessible things complex. But Lord God, you've, you've, you've in Christ, you've done something powerful. You've given us the ability to not wallow around in the dark. You've given us the ability to experience you fully. God, be with us in the duration of our time. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.